This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, and even those who do don't always celebrate Christmas in the same way. That's the premise of a new holiday movie on Netflix. Here's a clip from the trailer of Christmas as usual. Christmas in Norway is the best. Is it you or you? After a flight, a young couple drives to a snowy house. The woman tells her mom, Josh, Josh, as in Joshun. Oh. Your mom seems nice. Do you think uh, she likes me? We always have medister cakes on a little, little Christmas. At a family dinner. Now we have curry. I am here for the full Norwegian Christmas experience. They go cross-country skiing. Joshun and I, we... Uh, Is it that spicy? Maybe we should give my mom a bit more time. You don't want to tell her about the engagement? I just want the timing to be right. Bad idea. Joshin holds up little Norwegian flags, builds a snowman, and is shoved by Santa. A car slides, and a Yule tree falls on it. You said you wanted the full Norwegian Christmas experience. Yeah, what the hell? Before I knew you guys were crazy. He jumps in icy water. Okay, that is a clip from the trailer. Let's get a review of Christmas as usual from entertainment critic Amy Amanti. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. Amy, not going to lie, the trailer's got me giggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. How did you think uh, the style of comedy uh, worked in this film? Well, you know, I think, you know, this this is a remake, right, of a, of a, of a Norwegian film itself. And so, you know, I was thinking about how, what Norwegians think a romantic comedy is, what versus what we in North America view as a romantic comedy. Um, And so obviously there are some differences, because I wouldn't say that this is sort of laugh out loud, slapstick comedy, but there are these moments that are kind of like comic endearing, which is interesting to me. Um, They kind of make you laugh a little bit. Um, It's like, um, like situational comedy, Dave which is the kind of comedy that I like. Like, I don't need anybody to make uh, jokes where, um, you know, uh, where they're they're foul or there's a butt of a joke or they're slapstick jokes. But this is like people getting sort of just caught up in a situation that you're kind of like, oh man, that's going to be awkward, right? That's the kind of comedy we're talking about here. So beyond the film being a remake of a Norwegian Mm. romantic comedy, it's also based on a true story. How does that Mm. influence the way you think about the movie? Well, I think it, 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 I think what it does is it makes it a little bit more relatable. So what you don't necessarily recognize in this particular clip um, is that, you know, there's a a Norwegian woman who is taking her, her fiance home to meet her, her family for Christmas. Um, And so Norwegian, she's a white woman and he, Jashan, uh, who has uh, been told to her family as Josh, uh, for short, is from uh, India, so he's South Asian, um, and she hasn't told her family this, and so uh, so there's a clash of cultures that's happening here, right? Um, and so of course they meet him for the first time, and they're a little bit like, "What? 
what? What's going on here? So it's kind of like the the movie, uh, you know, remember the old Sidney Poitier movie, Guess Who's Coming for Dinner? It's mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. like that in a way, um, which has been remade several times. Uh, but it's, so it's a little bit like that. So this, this you know, they're, they're, the situational comedy happens a little bit in this uh, culture war versus Norwegian uh, culture versus Indian culture, um, what they might do around the holidays, if they celebrate the holidays, the types of food they might eat, the different palates they might have, that kind of stuff. So when you're thinking about it being um, an actual story that's based in reality, that it's a real couple, you go into it with a little bit more sensitivity, with a little bit more heart, with a little bit more relatability, because you're like, wow, these are this is actually the story of real people. And sometimes we don't view things with that kind of lens. Um, and then at the end of the film, it's not really giving anything away, but they capture the actors with the real uh, with the real folks kind of doing a traditional uh, Norwegian Christmas thing together, which is a really nice moment. Um, so you, 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 they bring everybody together. And I thought that was a really nice moment to sort of complete that, you know, put the, put the bow on the top of the present, if you will, Dave. You mentioned the trailer wasn't necessarily explicit in describing mm-hmm. that clash of culture. How was the audio description in talking about that? Because you've mentioned this before, that sometimes audio description will lean towards the side of neutrality rather than truly describing different cultural backgrounds or skin colors, et cetera. Right. And you can see why in this one, it would be super important that that is necessary for us to understand that context. Right. So um, this is, again, another one that's described by Liz Gutman. Um, And so she has uh, started to do a really nice job in bringing those pieces together. Um, And so, yes, there's cultural diversity here. And it actually takes a step further in that when we get to moments where they are wearing traditional dress, um, Norwegian Christmas dress, or um, Jashan in some moments is wearing um, some traditional Indian dress. They name that dress using traditional names. Um, And so, you know, if you're watching it and you are somebody who is Norwegian or of Indian descent, you're like, yes, it's, you know, that is what these garments are referred to instead of us just saying it's, you know, using a North American tongue, right? Um, Which I always feel is maybe a little bit um, unsensitive to folks from other cultures where we, you know, call something, uh, I don't know, a headscarf when that's not what it's called or whatever. Um, and so I might not know exactly what that is, but it's appropriate, culturally appropriate to refer to things by their proper name. I mean, if the describer has time, then they can unpack that a little bit for you um, so that you know what it is. But um, in this particular case, I thought that that was really, really nice to be able to learn what some of those things were. And so there's some moments in here, even with when we learn about some of the traditional Norwegian stuff that they're doing in terms of their holiday traditions that they're sharing with us uh, the Norwegian terms for these things, which I thought was really, really lovely as the description. Speaking of Norwegian and audio description, the film Mm -hmm. is mostly in English, but occasionally Norwegian pops up. How do subtitles intersect with the audio description in this one? Yeah, so there are subtitles, of course. um, And I think for me, I mean, obviously, I need the subtitles to be translated into English. So, you know, when we're in Norway, the family is often speaking Norwegian together. Um, And so obviously this is happening in front of Jishan mostly. And so he's like a totally a fish out of water, right? Because some, you know, this family speaking a foreign language in front of him that he doesn't understand. Um, And so he's often wondering, are they talking about me? Are they talking? And many times they are talking about him. but what it unfortunately what it leaves out for me 
is the ability to hear the beauty of the language because the audio description over top of it means that you can't actually hear the Norwegian because that those two things together would be really hard to listen to at the same time, right? Um, so that for me, unfortunately, it's like, oh, I'd have to watch the movie twice, once with the audio description, maybe first, so I understand sort of the context of what's being said at the table, that kind of stuff. And then second, like without the audio description, so I could maybe hear the richness of the language, which sometimes I feel like I miss out on, uh, but obviously I need that because otherwise I would not understand the film at all. So um, yeah, you absolutely need to have it. So it, it, it's necessary for it to be there and it does a great job, but sometimes I wish I could hear the the actual uh you know the the actual language that these folks are speaking so amy i've hit play on a couple of holiday movies over the course mm -hmm. of the last few weeks i watched xmas on amazon prime got a couple mm -hmm. good cackles out of it it was okay my cousin's movie a nice palace romance uh hit the hallmark app last thursday and it's playing on ctv life this friday a nice palace romance i'll give that one a plug again uh worth checking out filmed in the ottawa neck of the woods uh, starring joey coleman and marcus rosner well actually starring marcus rosner with an appearance from joey coleman so a couple shout outs there in terms of some holiday movies if someone is looking to uh, build their holiday playlist, should they hit play on Christmas as usual? I think so. I think what's nice about Christmas as usual is that it gives you some other perspectives on different uh, cultures and how they approach the holiday season, which I think is always really nice for us to kind of expand outside of what we know in our own air quotes comfort zone, right? Um, so I think that that's really important for us to sort of get a glimmer of what they do in other countries and and not just other countries, Dave, there are folks in Canada, in our own backyards, in our neighborhoods that are doing other things that we know nothing about, right? Um, so this maybe not so, maybe not be so far from home. Um, so yeah, I would, it's a nice sort of endearing film. It has a, a nice sort of moral of the story. Um, you can watch it together as a family. So there's some lovely, lovely moments in here. I would hit play on this one. Amy, thank you for this. Appreciate it. I would say a Merry Christmas slash Happy Holidays, but I believe you and I are talking one more time this week. So I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun on that one. Well, you can say happy holidays to me on Wednesday. Today. That's what I'll do. Amy, thank you for this. Have a nice day. You too. That's entertainment critic Amy Amanti talking to you from Vancouver, BC. You can find Christmas as usual on Netflix. In one minute, what did Pitchfork magazine call the top albums of 2023? Amanda Shikarchi will have that in the entertainment report. But first, public safety agencies are moving their data to the cloud. Mike Dubusky has more in Tech Trends. 82% of public safety workers say they're concerned their organization's data could be stolen or held as digital ransom. That's a 6% increase over last year, according to software company Mark 43. One decade ago, two decades ago, this is not something that police chiefs ever had to think about. Co-founder Matt Pelega says it's prompted a move from physical data storage to cloud storage systems controlled by companies like Google or Amazon. I can use the superior expertise and protocols and funding and Thousands of people that Amazon is throwing at security every single day. I'd actually prefer to have my data hosted with Amazon Web Services than, you know, on the server that's plugged into my air conditioning outlet. But the report also found more than 60% of first responders still need to go to a physical location to fill out paperwork. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Over to the world of entertainment with Amanda Shikarchi. Amanda, Pitchfork Magazine, although not really a magazine anymore, it's just a website, has released their top 50 albums of 2023. 
Yes, this is really exciting. I love like yearly music recaps. So basically the top three from that list of the 50 are Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel Maps, Desire I Turn Into You by Caroline Polachek and SOS by SZA. But Dave, my personal favorite album this year has to be Guts by Olivia Rodrigo, just because I love her growth and maturity. What about you? Really cool uh, that there's still places like Pitchfork doing this work in music criticism. I, I just want to give Pitchfork a little bit of love here because these ratings, quite obviously, were not based on album sales other than SOS by SZA. Like, really, these are pretty uh, under-the-radar records. So super cool that Pitchfork is still around doing a lot of great music taste-making. Amanda, I'm going to dodge your question because I'll say this. I don't think I was blown away by any album in particular this year, but I wonder if that has more to do with the way that I consume music. Yes, when a new album drops, sometimes I'll give it a spin through. I'll find a couple of songs that I like, I add them to my liked playlist, or just a new playlist, and then I kind of move on from the album itself. I'll even give you an example of an upcoming album in 2024, Green Day, the pop punk band, has released a couple teaser songs, which I love. But when the album drops, after I listen to the album once or twice, I'm probably just going to stick to one or two songs that I like. And it begs this question. And musicians are going to hate this question. In the era of on-demand streaming songs, do albums still matter? As a musician myself, I definitely think that albums do matter because even though, as you said, you know, oftentimes you have the top few songs, the album is a whole story. You know, it's a chapter of someone's life, but showcased through music. So being able to play from start to finish, like every time an album comes out, what I personally like to do is I listen to the album from top to bottom and kind of be like, okay, what is the bigger story here? Because through music, it helps you understand someone and who they are and what they were going through when they were writing these songs. So I do think albums still matter. I think a lot of musicians are uh, pretty happy with your answer to that one, and I'm not going to uh, disagree with your premise. I think that's uh, pretty well put. Okay, Amanda, like I said, I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer to this question because no album really jumped out to me for good or bad this year, but you're a little more entrenched in this. What's the most overrated album of 2023? Okay, so <laughs> my answer might be a little bit controversial here, but... Okay, I will say this. I love Taylor Swift and her music, oh, but dear. I did Careful. feel like Careful. the re-released albums this year, I found that I still like the original versions better. Oh, just because those, as I said before, <laughs> a few months ago, those were showcasing, you know, what she was really going through that I feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, her, the re-recording and the original versions where she was actually experiencing those things. Um, so I unpacked this back in July when Speak Now came out, but yeah, I, I love her. I love her music, but I feel like some of the re-recording thing. <laughs> and the Swifties are now coming for Amanda. Everyone, look out. Hey, Amanda, I believe this is the last time you and I are chatting before the holidays, so all the best to you and the Ficarci at the Entertainment Desk coming up after the break. There's been a bit of good news on the labor front in Ontario when it comes to public elementary school teachers. I'll have that story in the regional news update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.